The Business of Cleaning, the podcast that brings cleaning industry expertise straight to your ears. We interview professionals from all over to bring our listeners knowledge of how to achieve success within their business. Season one is about change management and enabling you to both face and create change in all aspects of your company. We're talking management, HR, suppliers, and more. Let's sweep right into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Cleaning podcast. My name is Haley Morris. I'm your podcast coordinator and host. And today I have with me Brandon. Do you say your last name, Baswell? Yes, Baswell. Baswell. Brandon Baswell. So I'm going to go ahead and actually let Brandon introduce himself and tell us a bit about what he does in his company. So, well, actually, your university, I should say. So, Brandon, if you want to. Uh, I'm a campus services manager at Michigan State University. Uh, my areas, my, my biggest part of my job is running the custodial operations. Uh, we also have pest control and university uh, events is, is under our uh, area, but uh, most time I spend is about making sure that our uh, almost 400 uh, workers are, uh, are out there uh, being effective and providing a healthy environment. So you've got a you got a quite a bit to manage there, don't you? Yeah, we're we're maintaining uh, about thirteen and a half million gross square feet, uh, and uh, that's scattered over about one hundred and ten buildings. Wow, it's it's very interesting. I've talked with some people from the school side of things. I've talked with distributors at this point. But to actually talk to somebody right now, especially with the campus setting, is extremely interesting. And out of curiosity, um, you're with Michigan State University. How are you guys approaching schooling right now with students and with the pandemic going on? Well, we were prepared for uh, some limited in-person classes and, and more and a lot of emphasis on uh, people doing online learning. Um, shortly before the semester started, uh, uh, we ended up uh, going to almost entirely online classes. So campus right now, there's very little undergrad class, very few undergrad classes. Uh, mostly what we still have on campus is like our professional colleges, such as uh, the College of Law is still doing some in-person classes. And uh, uh, some of the graduate classes are still uh, doing in-person seminars. We've got a vet school. We've got a human, human medicine school as well as a college of osteopathic medicine. Those are uh, doing uh, some in-person classes. But in general, uh, classes, campus is very quiet. Uh, and uh, you know, the, a big part of that is because we're also not having events. Um, you know, we are excited that we're going to be having some football again starting October 24th and and that will uh, hopefully help the campus feel a little bit more like fall uh, and that will bring a lot more enthusiasm back to campus just having that uh, thing to rally around. It's great. I know there's obviously safety is such a big priority right now but that ability to pull it back um, and still introduce an activity or introduce a sport that raises morale and keeps students feeling engaged. Because some students, this is their first semester, or this is maybe one of their last semesters. So they still want to like, you know, engage at the college level and 
to feel feel the spirit again. So that's a, that's a great point. A big part of of coming to campus is the whole experience. Yeah, a lot of people a lot of people can learn stuff online. You can do that uh, that that end of things, but it is the whole experience of being part of a student group. Uh, you know, meeting other people, interacting with people, the, the social exchange, uh, and yeah, you know, at a Big Ten university, the the thrill of uh, the sports uh, is is a part of that experience. That uh, I feel, I feel bad. You know, there's there are some groups of students that are you know missing it at, uh, at the end of the school year for our seniors last year. You know, it kind of was uh, a thud um, and. Now you're right for freshmen this semester. Uh, a friend of mine uh, sent his freshman son from uh, North Carolina here this fall, and uh, he was should have been doing online classes, but because you know he, the nature of being able to have good, reliable internet and everything, it was necessary for him to come to East Lansing, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's still trying to make the best of it. He's still trying to, uh, you know, rush a fraternity and uh, he's still trying to get the campus life as much as he can. And uh, those people are still using our computer labs. There's still, you know, there's people still coming into our buildings and, and studying and our job is still to uh, provide a healthy environment as much as possible. That's great to hear, you know. And so from your side, I guess, turning it around, what are some of the efforts that you're making to make sure that when students come into those shared spaces that they are safe for them? Uh, the biggest thing is that uh, just a consistent cleaning, a lot of cleaning. And uh, with, with COVID, uh, you know, things that we've learned about uh, COVID is that it is not necessarily a strong virus that uh, once it lands on the surface, that it, it, its survivability isn't that long. Um, it's, you know, we keep hearing the, the concern is when it's in the air. Um, so in the air, I mean, we've done things for air handling, uh, you know, on the mechanical end. Um, the biggest and most important thing that we can do as a, as a cleaning worker is to make sure that uh, we're giving people a healthy, a feeling though that it is a healthy environment, that they see us cleaning, that we are regularly going around and wiping touch points uh, making sure that, it, that that cleaning is visible. So we are, we've got a lot more portering happening where people are just consistently walking around, you know, cleaning up touch points. But uh, uh, when we have a potential exposure situation, we're going in and we're misting disinfectant. Uh, and we are uh, doing a little bit more of an aggressive cleaning. Um, again, primarily so that people feel safer in the space. Yeah, it's a big thing. It sounds like you're doing the right things to make it safe and that you've really taken a good perspective on what touch points you need to address with it. And so with that, you, you've been with the school for a little while, right? I've, uh, yeah, I've worked for MSU for 31 years uh, and I've been uh, in the cleaning business uh, end of that part now for 23 of those years. So yeah, a little while. <laughs> Just a little bit. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So with that being said, obviously our topic for this season, it's change management. And so we're coming into a season where 
maybe on a larger scale, like students, other companies, everybody's seen some kind of shift, some kind of change that's altered the way they have to go about life. But for you, this this can't have been the first big change and big shift that you've seen. And I guess my question then would be, what is another big shift or what is another time that you've seen that you've had to pivot at MSU? That's a, that's a great question because I have thought a lot back to 2000, 2008, when the economy really went bad and uh, it, it affected a lot of the funding uh, in higher education, everything, you know, money was, was tight. And we were put in a position where we took a severe budget cut uh, and it eliminated a lot of services. And when we did that, we were in a position then where we said, okay, we, we need to reinvent ourselves. We can't survive by just not cleaning offices and just doing everything else. We need to restructure uh, the cleaning process at MSU. We need to go through and really reinvent ourselves. And uh, so really launching mostly in, in 2009, we restructured the cleaning process uh, you know, in, a, in a wholesale manner. Um, and it was really because of that restructure that we were able to be more resilient uh, as this most recent uh, uh, challenge came along. We're like, all right, you know, we've got this. We've got a, we've got a good process in mind. We have a, a system for handling this. We have a system for challenging change. Uh, and we also had a chance to learn from some of the mistakes we've made in the past. No, it's good to see that you had the precedent. It's unfortunate to see that you had to go through such a change to do that restructuring in the first place, of course. But talk me through a little bit about what it was to do that restructuring, because obviously that's a huge internal change that can be hard to handle. So how did you guys handle it to actually make it so successful? What we did was we, we basically started by saying, well, this is what we want to be. We articulated a vision that said, you know, we want to clean for health. We want to put an emphasis on putting the cleaning worker first and, and give them the best training, the best tools, and establish a consistent process that is going to be repeatable uh, and is going to ultimately, you know, have a healthier environment. So uh, we yeah, we, uh, we articulated a vision. Uh, we identified the process. We said, okay, we're going to follow this, uh, this process for, for doing the work. We then workloaded to that process and built job cards and identified how long it takes to do the work. Uh, after we uh, did that, we obviously trained to it. Training is the, was the biggest part. It's one thing to sit and say, I've got this vision, but, and, you know, it's a lot of work to uh, bring it around. But when you get to the training, that's the huge, that's the biggest, most important part of this was saying, okay, this is going to be the one best way that we're going to go forward with our process throughout 110 buildings and 400 different people are going to all do it the same way. When you clean a restroom, this is how it's going to happen. Uh, standardizing the chemicals and standardizing every part of it. <clears throat> After you know you you've got the people trained, then then the next step is quality assurance, making sure that it's being done, that it, we're 
getting what we intended to have. So you know, setting up a quality assurance uh, process that you know checks it. It's not just supervisors checking. It might be the supervisor checking and making sure that people are doing the job right, that they're following the process. Uh, we call that a team checklist. Uh, it might be that we come back uh, and we actually have a third party that does an inspection and, uh, and, and looks to see if we're following uh, all the, the key parts of the process, but also is the space clean? Um, and uh, we also survey customers. All of these things give us metrics, uh, measure, uh, opportunities to measure uh, you know, how well we're doing and how well the, the process is working. And then that is the end of the circle where that then feeds back to, are we accomplishing our vision? And uh, the, that, that has been the, uh, you know, pretty much the last, uh, you know, 11 years uh, in MSU custodial services has been getting to that point and, and completing that circle. Um, and then when I look back on that, 11 years, I look back to 2009 and I look back at some of the pain we went through. And the one thing I, I really wish I'd put a lot, lot more effort into was saying all of this comes back to the worker. Every step, it, it would have been critical. It, we would have been much more successful if we could have linked everything back to, uh, hey, this is all out to elevate the craft. We're doing all of this to make the, the, the custodial worker uh, you know, more professional, uh, give us a, a, an elevation here and get a better result, uh, but also you know, improve things, you know, make, make this a safer job, make it a, a more desirable job, a less uh, grungy job through better tools and techniques. So how long would you say from that initial point when you made that decision to where you had started to kind of settle into the new infrastructure? How long do you think that initial part took? I think it, it, it should have taken a lot less. <laughs> yeah, initially when we started out, we, we really thought, oh, five years, we'll, we'll have this transition done. But realistically, uh, it, was, it was more like 10 years before we really could say, okay, this is, this is the part of our culture now. It is what we are. Um, there are still, you know, some people that work here that were around before, uh, you know, under the old, the old way, and uh, um, it, it took a while to totally, you know, change the culture in, in that manner. But uh, like I say, it would have been nice to flip everything in five years. Uh, it, it took, like I say, it was ten years before I feel like we really were like, okay we did it. Do you think that that additional amount of time was maybe just like you did in like a perception thing, or do you think it was because you didn't at the time go back and relate every step to the employee, like you mentioned? Uh, that's that you just nailed it. I, I think we could have done it all a lot faster if we had done a better job in the beginning saying, this is our vision is to accomplish this. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is how you're going to perform. Uh, and we're going to follow up with the measurement. If we could have articulated all of this cycle in the beginning and made sure that we linked it all back 
to elevating the craft, to making sure people recognize this is going to make, you know, you are, you're going to, your job is going to be more successful. It's going to help you do your job better. It's going to help create a healthier environment for everybody. Uh, if we could have really articulated that, I think we could have moved faster. Um, and uh, but the other part of it is, you know, we're a big department. Uh, and uh, with that many people uh, just making the change, uh, we, we were pragmatic about it. Um, and, uh, you know, there had to be some attrition. Some, some people had to move on that weren't going to be able to come with the new system. Uh, and uh, that also was part of it. I would say at the five-year mark, we were probably 90% implemented. It really was that last 10% took a long time. Yeah, the last push to get settled then. Right. So with that, I know you mentioned the measurements while they being able to actually measure your results. When do you decide in that process how you're going to measure it, how you're going to judge your success and decide, is this something we stick with or is this something that we reassess? Well, you got to figure out what's worth measuring and you know what what data is going to give you value that you can actually make a decision based on. And there's you know, there's different data points um, in our business. Uh, you know, there's it's still about money, um, and our people are well paid. Our are generally you know we're our, the MSU uh, custodians are part of a. Bargaining, uh, collective bargaining agreement, and uh, have make a, a good uh, hourly wage. Uh, plus, they have a, a generous benefits package. They're absolutely worth it, okay? Because we've also been able to demonstrate that we're we're getting what we pay for. We get uh, over fifty eight thousand square foot uh, per FTE clean, clean, not in a cleanable space. It's gross square foot, but uh, we're able to claim fifty eight thousand square foot per FTE. That's a really high number, and uh, when I look at a lot of my peers, uh, we're, we're we're off the curve uh, on that. Uh, so there's one metric. The next metric is okay. You're cleaning fifty-eight thousand square foot per FTE, but is it clean? Okay, so uh, it's then looking at the measurements of of cleaning. You know, how did this? How does this space uh, rate? You know, are we at an apple level two, uh, or are we an apple level four? So that's when you're using, doing, using your quality assurance metrics to come back and check and say, okay, yes, this is a clean space. Um, uh, and then there, there's additional metrics, you know, uh, you know, sick time use, uh, you know, becomes a metric that helps you make decisions about how well your policies uh, work. And uh, then you also just have general metrics about uh, supply cost, um, you know, how much, uh, you know, supplies are we spending per square foot. And, you know, in our situation, it's comparing different types of buildings and saying, okay, why is our cost per square foot so much higher in this building compared to this other building? Um, and, and just looking for those, those little data points to say, okay, how can we manage this better? All right, thank you. I was also just curious as somebody who recently went through college, I was very curious about that side, but it's good to know too that part of making a change in a process is measuring it and actually being able to validate those changes you made or know when something is doing well and something isn't. 
So establishing those metrics ahead of time and then knowing exactly what and why you're measuring something is a huge thing. So it, there's a ton of data out there. It's how do you collect it and what what data is useful? You know, it's not always if, if you can't really do anything with it. OK, why am I putting the effort into it? And for us, one of the biggest challenges is actually has been the collection. of data. Yeah, it's well, some things you say, OK, we're going to measure it, but it's not as easy as it sounds to, you know, I know a big thing to look for is employee satisfaction then. And so, okay, well, you have to define employee satisfaction. You have to define and what factors within that help you gauge it. So things like that, which I'm sure are very big, especially when you're bringing everything back to your employees, you have to be able to nail that down or otherwise you really don't have a good picture of what's going on. That's a great point. We're, we're getting ready to put together a employee survey. Uh, we've, we've done an annual employee engagement survey and um, it, it does give us some numbers, but one of the challenges is we're only able to benchmark against ourselves. It's not the same survey that's being done by our peers. So we don't always have a good benchmark on it. So uh, it, it gives us some numbers. Uh, we can compare how we are this year compared to how we were last year, uh, but it's not always um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's not always totally useful because again, I can't benchmark against, uh, you know, ABC cleaning or, you know, XYZ university. Mm -hmm. You can really only see if you are improving or, or not with how right. you've done prior. Right. So, and then I guess a factor of that too is looking at, of course, always that employee retention, seeing if you can constantly improve that. Cause that's something that sometimes can be a struggle within anybody in the clean industry is, you know, it's a grueling job. So how do Absolutely. you, yeah. yeah. Employee retention is, is a, is a big challenge for us. We've uh, now our full-time uh, regular staff, you know, once, once people get in full-time, and uh, they, they're making a good hourly, plus they've got a health benefit program. Uh, yeah, the, the turnover there isn't as much. I mean, because generally people work to retirement or until they, you know, move into a new position or something. But uh, the, the talent development part that we call it is the, uh, the temporary staff that come in uh, are the people that we're developing that, uh, you know, can potentially become full-time employees. And that's where we can have a lot of turnover. Um, and uh, we, we do watch that. We do measure that turnover and uh, check the reasons for the turnover uh, to see if that is something that can be fixed because it's a lot of work to hire people. It's a lot of work to train people. Uh, and it isn't getting less. I mean, it, we, we spend a, an enormous amount of effort on every employee, uh, you know, from the interview, the processing, uh, the onboarding, constant training, that it is a big loss if uh, we don't manage that person, that person's satisfaction well, that, uh, that they don't, that they're not successful, and we have to start all over. And we do that a lot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think the part-time role, part of it is that mindset that if somebody comes into a part-time role, 
with, it's not the same level of commitment that you get for somebody stepping into a full-time role. So it could be extremely crazy. And it's not just a lot of work that you put in. It's a lot of, a lot of like money financially that's this, that could become a strain if it got out of control. It's a great observation. And in, in this industry, very few people went through school and said, I want to be a custodian. Uh, people come to this job because there are very few barriers to entry uh, and, it, and it can be a very good and rewarding job. Um, but, you know, it, it's still a custodian worker and a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to do this until I, you know, uh, get into the trades or until I finish school and can move on. It's not necessarily the end all. Uh, and that's what, that is a lot what you get in the part-time and temporary staff and that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's just learning that balance of bringing them on and how long you can get them to stay and, right. you know, and enjoy their time um, and working for working for MSU and with your team. So yep. I guess as we're kind of wrapping up towards the end here, I did want to ask from you, what are some things that you see your like your, what, what was the word that you use? Others in your industry or in your shoes doing as far as process changes or restructuring that could maybe big, be big pitfalls for them. Like the things to avoid, what are those? That's a, that, that's a good question. Cause a lot of times people will say, uh, how did you do what you did? How, how did you restructure your cleaning process? And I, and I say, okay, uh, we started with a vision. We said, hey, this is what we want to have happen. We communicate, we articulated and communicated that vision so that everybody knew this is what we're trying to get to. Uh, a pitfall is if you just say, I wanna be better. Uh, another pitfall is if you say, oh, that won't work here. Um, because I, you're right, if you just said it, it won't work here because you said it won't work here. Uh, a lot of people have looked at our process and said it won't work there and I'm like, yeah, okay, well, I'm not going to waste your time then. Uh, but if you look at it and say, how will this work? How can this work best? You know, what is the best way to implement it? And how do I make sure that I'm elevating the profession while I do that? How am I making sure that everything ties back to the cleaning work? Now, the pitfalls that I'm talking about are all the pitfalls I've had, the, the, the situation that that we didn't always put the cleaning worker first. We were saying, okay, this is for the business. This is for the university. Well, if we take care of the worker first, if we put the cleaning worker first, it's going to take care of itself. If you are constantly in this effort to elevate the craft and make sure people know what they're doing and know why they're doing it, you can't help but be successful. Uh, so the start, you know, first pitfall is know what you want. Okay, if you, if you don't know what you want, okay, there's a problem. Don't say what won't work, okay? How will this work? Make sure you're training people to it. Make sure you've got great workloading right? before even the training. Make sure you've got great workloading, that you've got realistic numbers, that you looked at a process and said, okay, this is what can get done in four hours. This is what can get done in eight hours. And that you have a consistent standard and not based on you know, not based on your lowest worker and not based on your highest worker, you know, based on a standard uh, using, uh, you know, 
ISSA cleaning times or using uh, you know a something like that where you, you you can come back and say this is how it is one best way for everybody to do it. Um, you're gonna you know your rock stars you know might still outperform, uh, but you're also going to have that opportunity to bring up the the people who really are were, were underperforming in the first place because now you're saying look we have a standard. We're, and our standard goes to the middle. Um, and in the end, you're gonna have overall better productivity. Um, and and, and you, we keep coming in that circle coming around, I, I keep saying training. Don't give up on the training. That's not a one-time deal. The training is constant. Uh, the continued making sure that, uh, first of all, people know uh, how to be professional. You know, you can't be a professional cleaner. You can't really elevate the profession if people don't know what their tools are called aren't consistently calling things you know by the right name and uh, aren't then you know doing things well uh, even with all our training i still have situations where a custodian you know uh, puts a, a jug of uh, of acid cleaner down on top of something and leaves a ring we still have mistakes uh, but we train we learn from those and we we make sure we consistently train and say look you know, this is what you're working with. This is how it can damage you. This is how it can damage other surfaces. Uh, when you know better, you'll do better. And this is why we want to train. That's a great, and that's a great approach. And I really love your mindset to it. I know when you were talking, you mentioned that putting that standard somewhere at a standard level, you mentioned bringing up the one, the lower performers versus just cutting them out. Cause I've noticed some people, their approach, especially with industries like the cleaning industry that tend to have the higher turnover, it's just to cut them loose. But your mindset that I've kind of seen throughout this conversation is everybody's part of that team. You want to bring that person up. You want to get them trained up and you want to give them the tools and enable them to do their job, which I'm sure helps your climate, like your business climate and the climate amongst employees tremendously. Yeah, you can't set a bar if you're if you don't measure, you know, you've got to know where that bar is. And when you set that bar, uh, that gives people a goal, it gives people clear expectations of what they need to do. When you give somebody a job card and say, hey, this is what you should be able to get done in four hours. Uh, great. Okay, I like the clear expectation. That sets a bar. Uh, yeah, and, and you you are going to bring. You know, there there were, there were people that worked for us that uh, you know we might have been in that place where we said, you know, this person's just not gonna gonna be successful in the long term. But uh, you're absolutely right. You know, when we were clearer with our expectations and did a better job in the training, that uh, that that made some of our lower performers more successful. Because you're not just, you know, explaining, you're not just setting the standard and communicating. You're also with that training coming in and saying, here's how you do it. So not right. only have we set your expectation, but we've told you how we've taught you how we've walked you through it. And now it's up to you. Yeah, Haley, that's, that's the bottom line. You know, yes, that's how it works. I love it. All right. Well, with, Okay, let me rearm myself. All right, I think this is a really great place to tie up our episode. So with that being said, do you have any additional advice that you would like to offer our audience? 
elevate the craft is the ultimate goal. The more we do to bring cleaning up, the more we do to raise the level of the cleaning worker, uh, the cleaner environment, the healthier environment we're going to have, uh, the more success we're all going to enjoy. All right. Well, thank you for that, Brandon. And thank you to everyone who is tuned in. And I look forward to talking to you next week. But firstly, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so we can continuously get better. Thank you, Haley. Thank you.